Welcome to the BNP Rome Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Episode 11, P is for the planet Neptune conjunct the sun in Pisces, an astrology-heavy episode. Folks, the intro here is being done on the move, and I'll try to make it brief, but I have a few thoughts in my mind. Let's get the business out of the way first. In this episode, when you get to the main bit, you're going to hear some music, and it's not going to sound so great. It lasts all of about 15-20 seconds, so I just ask you to bear with me. You see, if my podcast was listened to by a lot more people, I would take a lot more time on it. But right now it's just kind of a DIY project that I do for fun and to share with the few people that listen to it. Anyway, the point is, last year when I first started the podcast, I actually would have gone back and re-recorded and spent a lot of time on it, but this year I'm trying to make this podcast very time-efficient. There's always a difficulty in life in finding balance between how much time to spend on a thing, and I know, or I realize about myself last year, that often I spend too much time on things. I get really bogged down in details, and... This year I'm trying to work on being a little bit less of a perfectionist about things and just letting them be. So I'll ask you to bear with the patience on that. There is a reason I played that song. It didn't come out quite as good as I'd hoped, but like I said, it's only 15 or 20 minutes. Next, I didn't mention this in the podcast, but I do refer to uh, what's about to happen here in Japan, which is the coming of the cherry blossoms. And I didn't mention it, but I wrote a one of my favorite blog posts I've written over the past decade is on this topic, and you can find it in the show notes. And that is about all for the business. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this episode. Uh, this, like I said, is an astrology-heavy episode, and it's focused on the end of the astrological season here in Pisces. I'll let that speak for itself, but today I'm feeling myself in a sense of wanting to accomplish things, get things done, and I want to read for you, because I bring this up in the podcast, how over the past two months, following the advice of an astrologer I read on Medium, I've decided to pay attention to where the moon was, what sign the moon was in, and see if there is any connection or correlation between it and my moods. And well, today I'm feeling... Even though we are in Pisces season, I'm feeling a lot more Aries. And it turns out, well, the moon is in Aries. And Aries, folks, is the first sign of the the first sign we're about to go into, the start of spring. And I'm going to read for you from the excellent Time Passages app the description of moon in Aries. And then we'll get into the main podcast here. Um, I'm recording, before I do, I'm recording this from a really groovy uh, forest of pine trees that I found near my house that I never knew existed. I was out taking a walk and I took a little side branch along the side of the river that I thought was a dead end and I was like, whoa, what is that little forest? And today as I was walking back, 
I was trying to find a spot that was out of the wind and I remembered, oh, I want to go to that forest. So I'm sitting here in it. It smells great. Um, the only thing that I'm not liking so much is across the river. Here you, I can hear some construction being done. But they are remaking the bike paths over there. And uh, supposed to be open here in a few months, hopefully. And hopefully they'll be done this time. Last year they did a bunch of work and then now they're doing more this year. Anyway, okay, let me read for you the moon in Aries. Um, and so this does correlate to my feeling today. With the moon in Aries, an impulsive emotional nature comes to the surface. Today, you and everyone else will likely be feeling spontaneous and direct. You are infused with the energy to break new ground. Check. You might also feel impatience. Check. And you become so focused on your own feelings that you neglect the needs of others around you. Fuck you. Sorry. While you are apt to be fearless today, it is good to take care that your courageous intuition does not lead you into reckless behavior. All right, no skydiving then. You will act instinctively, and while this is positive, since you won't second-guess yourself, this impetuous emotional nature can also work against you if you assert more intensity than the situation might warrant. You win when you balance passionate feelings and a confrontational temperament with inspired action. All right. Okay, so that's the moon in Aries, and uh, well, I'm definitely feeling that energy today, so I got up and got going a little faster than I'd intended to, and uh, now I'm going to head back home and get this podcast out there for you all. So, like I said, the music you're going to hear coming up is a bit annoying, but uh, just bear with it for 15, 20 seconds, and uh, this is a pretty good podcast. There's a lot of parts to it. Probably spent more time on it than I have on a lot of these uh, ramblers. So uh, that said, enjoy the show and thanks for listening. is the sound of the sun conjuncting Neptune in the heavens. It's actually the sound of Ghosts of the Forest from their November 6, 2020 New York, New York show. The series of shows that they did, or that Trey Anastasio, the leader of the group, and also the frontman for Fish, did at the Capitol Theater last fall, where people were watching via Zoom or some sort of technology. No one was there except for the people playing the music. And the song was one I believe, yes, I have played on the BMP round before. Beneath a Sea of Stars. And I'm out taking my morning walk, just finishing up. 
it just has dawned on me and I knew this was coming that if I did check this that the sun must be in conjunction with Neptune and I checked and it was according to the app I use exact at 20 degrees 38 minutes of Pisces take that for what it's worth but it, what it means, or the interpretation, one of the interpretations, is the imagination as being expressed through each of us as individuals should be heightened. The sun being representative of the individual, the ego self, and Neptune, the imagination. Now, of course, there's much more to it, but I do find this interesting because this week I've been in two Rebel Wisdom calls. One was this morning and one was two days ago. And both of them did seem themed around, or there was a lot of talk around the imagination. And Rebel Wisdom, while they did have archetypal astrologer Rick Tarnison, one of their private group meetings a few Saturdays ago. I don't believe that they were aware or consciously aware that this week the sun is conjunct Neptune, so we should therefore do our topics about the imagination. But there you have it. And, you know... I've come to a lot of these understandings or just I'm very loose with my interpretation of astrology and I'm certainly not in a believe in rigid mindset with it. It's just a fascinating lens. And one thing I've somewhat come to is that much as I appreciate, you know, the idea of the constellations and the signs and where the heaven, where the stars are, and house meanings and all that, like that goes a little bit into. Well, there's a lot of interpretation, and I've spoke to this before. That if you actually look up at the sky, like is the sun in 20 degrees 38 Pisces, or is it in some other area? And it, it comes down to, and I, I don't can't really speak to this with total expertise, but you know, there's some gray areas in that regard. But what's not gray is that if you were to look out toward the sun right now, and if you were able to use your mind to look past the sun and keep on going, you would get to Neptune. There would be this, they would be lined up from our perspective here on Earth. And so what I've kind of done with... <clears throat> my own sort of playing with the tools of astrology is just mostly looking at how the the geometry of these symbols are working out and so you know because there's no like i said there that that's just an astronomical fact right there what i just said that the sun is lined up with neptune and so then you can go okay if that's a fact then you know, what are the, and then you go into the world of interpretation, and that's fine, but um, the whole houses, and, you know, 
the signs, and I appreciate all of that too, but again, there's Vedic astrology and Hellenistic astrology, and they have different readings on where it is. Like, I could look at my app, and it would tell me a totally different thing about where they are as far as the constellations. Um, so, anyway, it's just one lens, but getting back to the sun and Neptune, I'm uh, really, I really like Neptune as one of the planets. Like, it's one of my favorite planets. Um, maybe it's the artist in me. Maybe it's the addict in me, because Neptune is also this realm of delusion and addiction. And I'll tell you, for the past several days, for the first time since I quit drinking alcohol and taking the cold medication, for the past several days I've had more temptations about, oh, I could just buy some of that cold medicine and that would get me... That might work better to get me focused and, than coffee does or caffeine does, you know? And, but then I've just gone back to my little mantra or mantra, not now, not today, and then relied upon my own personality trait of, I can tap into my inertia and laziness and just sort of like being good with where I'm at, you know, um, I can frame that as laziness, but it's more, you know, contentment. I don't need to take something to improve my psychology right now. It's fine. But, you know, I'm just saying that I have had that struggle these past several days that I haven't really like throughout this winter even when I went through my probably lowest period there in mid-February, I didn't have this like, oh, you know, I should just go get a drink. or It just really didn't cross my mind. Now, I'll say this, I, even with this past week, like the drinking never really crossed my mind. Um, yeah. But it was interesting because I listened to uh, this guy named Carl Hart, who has written this book about kind of trying to destigmatize people's drug use because he himself is this successful neuroscientist and here I'm trying to see if there is not a chair. No, there's not. Um, he's a successful neuroscientist and yet he uses opiates, heroin, and so he wrote this book, and anyway, he was on Crystal and Kyle's, Crystal and Kyle and Friends, I think it's called, their podcast, Crystal Ball and Kyle Kalinske of Secular Talk, Crystal of the Hill Rising, over the weekend, and I listened to them talking, and, you know, listening to this guy, there was like, all of a sudden, there was this sense of like, yeah, Brian, you can do it, you, you can do it, it's okay, right, listen to him, he's saying, you know, so, um, that was part of the little temptation I've been going through is hearing someone talk about, you know, like, and this is what I did for many years with alcohol. And I still think there's some truth to this, but I've just decided it's not true for me, um, which is that people can use any drug, um, 
recreationally and it's okay and we shouldn't stigmatize based on the drug you know um we should more treat it as you know these things have potential for harm but they also have potential for benefit and if people are having trouble with it we should treat them with compassion and see if we can help them you know uh, we definitely shouldn't be throwing people in jail and you know and just on a more psychological level we shouldn't be stigmatizing people for them um okay i'm going to I'm going to pause this at the very least. Yeah. Poetry. It is a very Neptunian art form. I would argue the most Neptunian art form in terms of language and words I would say the ultimate is music but I want to read a poem that I read earlier today on a poetry group I'm in and I think it's rather Neptunian in its themes too it's called I No Longer Pray by Shalan Harkin I no longer pray. Now I drink dark chocolate and let the moon sing to me. I no longer pray. I let my ancestors dance through my hips at the slightest provocation. I no longer pray. I go to the river and howl my ancient pain into the current. I no longer pray. I ache. I desire. I say yes to my longing. I no longer pray as I was taught, but as the stars crawl onto my lap like soft animals at nighttime, and God tucks my hair behind my ears with the gentle fingers of her wind, and a new intimacy is uncovered in everything. Perhaps it's that I'm finally learning how to pray. It's beautiful. I responded. I love this. Very much resonates. I'm taking my morning walk and did my morning breath work and brief meditation on, quote, my park bench with my bare feet on the ground. But before I did that, I was listening to some favorite music, Ghosts of the Forest again, and felt compelled to dance barefoot in the grass with the morning sun on me, eyes closed, totally lost in it not worried in the slightest that passerbys from cars and bicycles on a bridge could look down upon me. Bliss. And I'm going to stop because there's a helicopter. Back to the astrology. My relationship to it and how I understand it in 2021. I think of it as the cycles of nature 
and how those cycles interact with our psychology. It could be seen as how the external interacts with the internal. On my iPhone, I've put my astrology apps in the same folder as my weather apps because I think of astrology as something like a psychological weather map. Now, when I speak of the geometry of the planets, I'm referring to what are called planetary aspects. An aspect is the angle planets make to each other in the horoscope. There are five major aspects. A conjunction, zero degrees. A sextile, 60 degrees. A square, 90 degrees. A trine, 120 degrees. And opposition, 180 degrees. Squares, 90 degrees, and oppositions, 180 degrees, are considered by modern astrologers to be hard aspects, making them more challenging, but also potentially more rewarding. While sextiles, 60 degrees, and trines, 120 degrees, are considered easy, smoother, but maybe resulting in less room for growth. And conjunctions can be either, depending on the planets. Now, one more thing of note. The sun and the moon are also called planets in astrology. There is a linguistic reason for this. Planet comes from the Greek, planon, to mean wander. So any heavenly body wandering in the sky is a planet. You need not break it down any further or fall into any debates about Pluto's status. That's another matter for a different field. Just know that if we are speaking the language of astrology, planet includes the sun, moon, and yes, Pluto. Now, back to that sun-Neptune conjunction, which was exact on the day of this recording, Thursday, March 11th, 2021, but is really at play until around March 19th. Why? Because generally, a conjunction lasts as long as the planet are, planets are within 8 to 10 degrees of each other. Again, these numbers are not exact, just as on the last day of winter, March 21st, uh, March 20th, it doesn't change from cold and snowy to on the first day of spring, March 21st, pleasant and sunny. And that leads me to my understanding of Western astrology and how it connects to the seasons. Basically, the zodiac begins in spring in Aries on March 21st and ends in winter in Pisces on March 20th. Thus, in 10 days, it will be a new year. This makes more intuitive sense to me than January 1st does. New life begins in spring, after all. Here in Japan, this cycle is represented in the school year. School ends in middle to late March, there is a spring vacation, and then starts again in early April, often coinciding with the blooming of the sakura, or cherry blossoms one of the more beautiful symbols of Japan. There is a bittersweet quality to this symbol. They represent impermanence. We know they won't last very long, and that's one of the reasons we treasure them. This is also true of life. If lucky, we get about 1,000 months on this planet. And while there is a linear progression from birth to death, our more immediate daily experience is cyclical. We wake go about our business, sleep, and then do it again. One month is represented by the moon moving around the earth one time. For us dudes, this cycle may seem irrelevant, but our women friend have a physical manifestation of this cycle in their bodies.
Now, I've written a pod, uh, sorry, a blog about Sakura, which I will share in the show notes. Now, over the past two months, upon the advice of some astrologers I follow, I've began making note of the moon cycle and seeing if I notice any patterns. I'll speak more on that down the line, but when I've gathered some more data. But my initial thought is I seem to have noticed some energetic differences in my mood, such as feeling a desire to do some organizing and cleaning when the moon was in Virgo, and a want to think big picture and philosophical when it was in Sagittarius. Hmm, interesting. But back to the Neptune-Sun conjunction. So this is all happening as this year winds down, which means in the final sign of Pisces, which Neptune is the modern ruler of. Because Pisces is connected with the end of life, all of the big questions regarding what happens when we die are at home in this sign. So this is a good week to spend some time with such questions. Perhaps do a little digging into one of my favorite topics, the near-death experience. You can go back to episode 38, season 1 of this podcast, to hear more on that topic. One of my favorite episodes of season 1. But if that's not your fancy and you want to become more grounded, sorry, but if that's not your fancy and you want to be more grounded, perhaps take some time this week to look back on this wild year we've all had and perhaps ponder all the loss we've experienced and feel into how you can extend compassion to all of life. Because while this experience of living has much beauty, it also has much sorrow. And no one escapes this incarnation without such painful experiences. Last, I recommend finding a body of water. It could be a river with a small waterfall like the one I've been sitting at as I record this. It could be an ocean or a bay. Or, if the outdoors aren't accessible, it could be just taking a little longer under the shower or in the bath. You see, Pisces is the third and final water sign, and as we are water creatures on a water planet, born into this world out of the waters of the womb, it makes sense that our cycle ends in water. And on that note, thanks for listening. Now that last section was, maybe perhaps you could tell, it was written. And so I was reading what I'd written when I came down here. And it's interesting because I had three pages written out there. And yet it only took about seven minutes to read. But the writing probably took 30 minutes. I bring that up because when you get done with it, then all of a sudden you realize, hey, I want this podcast to be a little bit longer, but I've already spent almost a total of 40 minutes recording the episode. But I had some more things to say, uh, though the sun here is the place I was just sitting, the tree on the uh, bluff here has now blocked out the sun, so I've moved over a little bit to keep the sun on me. I've put on my windbreaker. Uh, it's kind of in, it's in, in between temperature where I could probably take the windbreaker off, but I'm kind of getting ready to go. Um, so anyway, and I'm trying to dry my feet off because I just walked down to the river shore and uh, drained a little bit of my water into the waters that will go into the great big Pacific. And my feet got a little bit wet. But now they're getting better. 
Anyway, I want to talk, there are a couple more things I want to get to, and I want to go back to the conjunction idea and how the conjunction is neither a positive or a negative aspect, and it, I said that it depends on which planets are involved. Now, last year we had what would be considered a more, well, a very, one of the more negative conjunctions on January 11th, which is a 38-year, approximately 38-year cycle, Saturn-Pluto. So just consider it every 40 years, probably easier. Um, and this is considered one of the more, like I said, one of the harder, more negative conjunctions, and it is associated with borders and boundaries and, and bringing up things from the underworld. That's Pluto. And one of the things, one of the ways it expresses itself is through war and disease. Call it the apocalyptic conjunction. <laughs> and if you go back and look at history, uh, there are indeed a lot of, uh, I believe the Black Plague was during a Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, the origins of the 1918 Spanish flu, Saturn-Pluto conjunction, um, some of the wars, obviously World War One. Uh, anyway. And that was conjunct on January 11th. Um, but one thing that I want to bring up here is that, and this is the way that the evolutionary astrologers tend to think of things, and those are the people that I really, well, there's different astrologers that I vibe with, but I, I like the evolutionary astrologers' perspective on things, and they talk about how in all of these things there are two sides to the coin. So, for example, as I mentioned, when you have the harder aspects, the square and the opposition, it's more challenging, but it also, because it's more challenging, there's more room for growth. And so the same thing can be said for the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. It's a very challenging time, but because of that, you know, people can find inner reserves and things that they, they didn't know were there and then afterwards become different people as a result. Now, I just wanted to bring that up because that was... Last year there were several rather big conjunctions. The other one was at the end of the year on the equinox. I'm sorry, the solstice, the winter solstice. Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which happens around every 20 years and has to do with societal structures and um, it's more, yeah, it has to do with history in a lot of ways. Uh, those are the two big planets at the edge of, two big planets that we can see with the physical eye. So in classical astrology, they were considered, you know, the two planets at the edge of the universe of the, you know, they were the last ones. Saturn was the end. There wasn't anything beyond that. Um, so, I want to talk now about the Sun Neptune. Now, according to what I understand, the Sun, when the Sun is in conjunction, it's generally viewed as one of the positive conjunctions, which means it will more tend to bring out the more positive aspects of the planet it is conjunction with. Conjunct with, excuse me. <clears throat> So, <clears throat> sorry. 
So Neptune, uh, what are those positive aspects? Well, let's have a look. Neptune is connected with compassion, inspiration, dreams, mystery, the sea, and the ocean. Those are some of the positive things. Creativity, imagination. Um, yeah, so... The spirituality, I don't know if I said that. <clears throat> Intuition, yeah. So, these are things that, with the sun conjuncting Neptune... Perhaps we can tap into over the next several days. And just in general, I will say that we are, or we have been in a very Aquarian few couple of months, but now we are heading into a more, like right now we're, we have been and we are going into <clears throat> more of a Pisces period. And the sun won't be there much longer, but there is still Venus in Pisces, and I believe Mercury is coming through Pisces. Um, let's have a look real quick. And then I know uh, that in another month or two, Jupiter will be going into Pisces for a little bit before going back and finishing up its work in Aquarius. But yeah, right now the moon is in Aquarius, but uh, tomorrow, or is it tomorrow? or the ne Anyway, in the next day or two, the moon will be, well, it will be entering Pisces tomorrow, um, actually tonight here in Japan. Um, by the time you listen to this, it'll be out of Pisces, but uh, the, new, the new moon is in Pisces. Um, every time there's a new moon, you can know what sign it's in if you know what sign the sun is in because they're conjunct. A sun, a new moon is a sun-moon conjunction. And Mercury is uh, near the end of Aquarius, so it will be entering Pisces here in a few days, probably by the time you listen to this. Venus is really right in the middle of Pisces. And then Jupiter is going to be entering Pisces, like I said, in another month or so. So this spring does have a lot of Pisces energy and... Again, when you talk about the signs, um, you can look at the, the ruler of those signs, the planet, and that, that's Neptune, the modern ruler of Pisces. And so you can then think about uh, what is Neptune's represented by and what are the things that, so that would also be represented in that sign. So all those things, this can be a very good spring for imagination and creativity and uh, <clears throat> spirituality um enchantment but on the other side of things it also can be a spring period of illusion delusion addiction um becoming ungrounded so probably having some grounding practices would be good uh and you know again this could all be total nonsense too and maybe probably if you've been listening this far, you're at least open-minded to considering this stuff like I am. And, you know, I want to say a little bit about, you know, one of the 
the reason astrology is um, poo-pooed or considered nonsense by our kind of modern mind is based on the our scientific paradigm, which is scientific materialism, and which is based on you know Newtonian uh, conceptions that you know the Earth is kind of this or the Earth, I mean, the universe as kind of mechanical, machine-like, and thus we have trouble understanding how these planets that are so far away, like, well, how can they, how can they have any influence on us down here? And I don't have a good answer for that, but the answer that I feel into is that um, we don't that well okay, the answer for me is that this no the scientific paradigm that we that you know modern people believe in is limited. It's not actual truth. And we live in more you know, and I think our Quantum sciences, which, you know, we've only been with us for a hundred years or so, a little over, I guess, but the interconnected nature of things and, you know, like the more that they go down into, you know, discovering the smaller bits of matter and so-called reality, the more they're like, wait, there's nothing there, or, you know, um, oh, there's the, the universe is made of 5% or 10% matter and 90% antimatter. And, you know, they, they come up with these concepts to kind of suggest that there's more to this than meets the eye. So, you know, what it's scientific materialism, it works on for certain fields and kind of studying surface level of things, but it may not actually work when we're talking about the depths of our mind and the way all this reality as a whole is interconnected. And, you know, that's just um, the way to play with it, in my opinion. And, you know, it's the concept of as above, so below. So um, anyway, for me, I have come to this all by really kind of reconnecting to nature and my body and you know when i learned that astrology worked with the four elements and all this and then i was like okay what is pondering a lot you know about what is the nature of water and what is the nature of earth and kind of working at it through that direction all of a sudden it felt a lot more embodied and a lot more grounded and it wasn't just this kind of crazy theory um and then when i got this star app on my phone and I started pointing at the heavens and going, Oh look, I can see like last fall I watched as, uh, Jupiter and Saturn are like, you know, catching up with each, like meeting each other in the skies. And I, I watched it like for two months, you know, I would every night as it was getting darker, I could see it on the horizon. Like, Oh, it's getting closer and closer. And, um, and then I had the experience this winter where I was out coming home from a class I was teaching and I was looking at the moon and I was like actually able to see like the curvature and like how like the moon was all oh, the moon's over there right now because the earth is like round here and the sun is over there. And I could actually kind of more feel into like just the way that all these planets and stars and like it felt more real to me. Um, and so, you know, 
that doesn't I know it doesn't really answer the question of like well you know why does astrology work and like I said I still have those questions and I still you know I still have my doubts um, quite honestly this past month or two I've not been listening to nearly like even longer than that but um, this year in general I haven't been listening to nearly as many astrology podcasts and stuff um, but I kind of see it more as just another lens and I see it uh, I love the mythology of astrology. I love, you know, learning about Greek myths and then learn, you know, tying that into how the planets were all named. And I'll close with this. And I shared this on my Facebook page last week. It is something I did listen to uh, one of the recent Astrology Hub podcasts with an astrologer named Gemini Brett, who's very fascinating to listen to. And the topic was on um, how dis- the discovery of Uranus changed everything. And um, this is the fact I learned from him, and I, I fact-checked this. Turns out it's true. Uranus, 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 was originally named George. After King George. Because the man, and well, there was a man who took credit for discovering that he and his sister were amateur astronomers in England, and with their giant contraption in their backyard, they discovered Uranus and King George. They wanted to kind of, you know, get in his good graces and get rewarded, so they named it after him. But this was in 1781, and there were some astrologers on the other side of the pond in old America, probably weren't too happy about that, naming it after that awful king that they just rebelled against. And anyway, then there was much debate because this was the first time, like, in thousands of years that a planet had been discovered. Nobody had ever been through this process before. Well, how do we name a planet? That wasn't done before. It never happened. You know, I mean, way back when it did, but, you know, the first seven planets were all visible to the eye and you know the greeks and folks looked up and named them back then so then there was some debate about it and somebody said hey wait a minute all these other planets are named after the gods so why don't we name it after one of the gods so they chose uh uranus which is oranus oranus i can't remember how to pronounce it but um actually the god that he's the father of saturn and then uh saturn uh, well, Saturn and him had a little fight, and Saturn cut his balls off and cast him out. <laughs> Indie, folks. Mythology. Good stuff. And I would just say, um, I would recommend, and I'm actually going to start listening to this again, I think. I have too many things to listen to. But uh, Stephen Fry, the comedian from England, kind of polyglot, polyglot, I don't know, jack of all trades, I should say, renaissance man, uh, read some audiobooks that he's done on Greek mythology, and I've listened to a few hours of the first one, and it's really good. And I do remember him telling that story about the old battle. Um, and then it turns out, you know, Saturn then, when he, he started having kids, and he didn't want the same thing to happen to him, so he would eat the kids, and, you know, his wife was like, dude, like, come on, give me one of these kids. So one day she tricked him by putting a bag of rocks and, you know, here's the baby, and he ate the rock, and fucking dude obviously didn't have a very good sense of taste, because it's like, this ain't baby, man, this is a rock, but I guess not. I guess rocks and babies taste the same to gods, and, uh, 
So then that baby that, you know, survived, that was uh, Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus. And then, you know, he went on and did his thing. And the cycle repeats. Okay, that is a good place to end it on. Gods eating babies and rocks and not knowing the difference between the two. So hopefully this has been somewhat entertaining and educational. And, uh, well, I've enjoyed yakking at you about it. So um, thanks good for listening, and we'll see you on the other side.